You are listening to The Warren Whitlock Show. Chats with smart guests, new ideas, having fun. Sharing strategies you can use right now and for an abundant future. Warren Whitlock here with Kathy Klotz, guest, uh, author of Stop Being Boring. So today we're not going to bore you because um, I have got a fantastic new friend uh, on the line with me. Uh, and we are going to use some improvisation to keep things interesting. But first, I'm going to do one thing that I hardly ever do on this show. I'm going to read the entire title of her book. Stop <laughs> Boring Me! Explanation Point. Uh, how to Create Kick-Ass Marketing Content, Products and Ideas Through the Power of Improv. Okay, that just blew me away. I had to share that. That's good. I read a full sentence without screwing up the reading. So welcome to the show, Kathy. Well, thanks for having me, Warren. Happy to chat with you. Okay. So one thing we're, we promised people today is that we're not going to be boring. So um, oh. uh, you, you okay with that? Um, that's how I, I prefer it. <laughs> I, think, I think most people do. So, uh, yeah, if we can – if we can. I'm all for blowing up the scripts, and I'm all for sort of really just having a human conversation, because I think that when you do that, you're not going to be boring. Yeah, I think so. I think human, all humans are interesting once, once you get to know them, and so much of what we see are people trying to pigeonhole things into areas where it's supposed to be. Marketing of the 20th century was all about, can I get this message out to as many people as possible? And boy, that still, that still works. If you can get enough people to see the banner ad, somebody's going to click on it by accident. But more more important, somebody's going to recognize that name. And if you run the same TV commercial uh, over and over again, sooner or later, somebody's going to go, oh, yeah, that's the company that, that sings this jingle or has that slogan. Um, mm-hmm. Still true, but today we can go so much farther with a real human connection and, and improv. Can it, yeah. does, oh. Let's start off with the hard question. Does does this improv idea always work, or are there some things that are better off boring? I don't think anything's really better off boring. I really don't. Even if you've got a serious message, uh, you know, the way that you present it does not have to be boring. And it's a great question, actually, because I get this a lot, especially from the financial services industry or uh, when I'm talking to people in the medical um, uh, or healthcare field, because there are certain, you know, I, I always hear, oh, there's regulations, and, you know, in, in medical, it's HIPAA and all that stuff. All of that is true. But just because you're in a regulated industry, and there's a lot of regulated industries, does not mean that the way you present information has to be boring. I mean, there are banks out there that are putting together coloring books. There are banks out there that have pop-up books about financial literacy that you can sit down and educate your kids about how to save money. So we don't have to be boring even when we're presenting really important information. You know, there's a lot of different ways to to be interesting, and it's not just, uh, you know, having a, what do you, what do you call it, uh, well, you, you say kick-ass marketing, and I'm quoting that because kick-ass is a term I'd never use. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's good to, good to use, use language that, that never has a doubt of whether or not I'm using a cuss word. On the other hand, I've become very much um, used to everybody using, you know, any word, there, any word there is, words that I used to be just, you know, embarrassed to hear said. And now, uh, you know, it's, it's become common. And that's one way to break through and get attention, but it's not the only way. 
it's, it's not. And, I, and I'm a big believer that if you use certain words, it should be, and there's this buzzword, but it's really important, authentic. It should be naturally how you converse and, and really right. be a representation of how you really show up in the world. And people who know me, you know, I spent, you know, 20 years in high-tech marketing, running, running marketing departments, but I also, and I'm an MBA nerd, but I also have this background doing 20 years of comedy. And people who know me there know that, I'm a pretty much a straight shooter, so when I use the word kick ass, that for me is real. That's right. real. So, so I'm all in favor of using language that is real, that is you, but also that connects you to your customer. And you have to understand that um, there are words that your customers might use, but sometimes you can challenge it every, every now and again because people use buzzwords sometimes because they haven't been trained to do anything different, and they don't see a lot of different. But if you give your customers options and you start communicating in a really human way, more often than not, they're going to love it. They just haven't seen it. They're not used to it. <laughs> I think we all want to connect with, with other human beings and feel like we have some sort of a personal connection. And um, some of the best, um, you know, uh, stars on TV and stuff, and, of course, a lot of my favorites are people that come from the improv tradition um, of, you know, studying improv and then getting the comedy gigs and then they go off to do whatever. I just just watch a dramatic uh, movie with uh, Steve Carell. And boy, he's somebody that used to, you know, be cutting up on everything. And he's, he's still responsible for a lot of good comedy. But yeah. here he is, you know, everything he does is compelling. And I feel like it's a friend that I'm watching when I watch Steve Carell. And, of course, and he's, he's a good enough actor that I get lost in it and forget that I'm, you know, looking at the same guy that was doing, you know, the, the, uh, the crazy character of, of The Office and even yeah. before that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's, so getting attention is something. What, um, what, so if, you're, if I'm going to be let's, – let's go ahead and stick with the uh, – the boring, the, uh, the, the the usually boring pharmaceuticals and and you know with all the disclaimers and legal stuff and and uh, what other things besides uh, you know comedy or uh, or shocking can we do to to not be boring? Well, and that's a really great question too. I'm glad you asked because this book is not about necessarily being funny and it's not about being shocking. It's not about gimmicks. And that's, I think, a common misperception. People see whose line is it anyway, and that's just one area of improv. That's one, it's called short form. And there's a whole other area of, of improvisation called long form, where you go see a play and improvisers will, based on audience suggestions, make up an entire 30, 45-minute play without stopping, completely on the fly. And you'll see in that 30, 45-minute kind of uh, what we call, again, long form, you'll see a range of human emotions. You'll see the funny, you'll see the sad, you might see poignant, you might see edgy or see gripping. Um, so you're going to see a range of human emotions. So it's an improv really is not about forcing funny at all. It's about being human. So there's something that happens when we're watching a play or improv and we're laughing and we're seeing these human stories. And then we put on our business hat and we sit down and we try to create business stories and somehow we've channeled our inner, you know, um, jargon monster or our inner Shakespeare and we've forgotten that, you know, we don't talk that way in a bar. <laughs> we don't talk <laughs> that way when we're having lunch with our friends. So we all know how to communicate, 
outside of the business world in a human way. We just forget it. So what this book is about is it's about how do we weave human stories? How do we tell stories in a way that's very natural and we already know how to do because human beings are all wired for stories, but we just forget the minute we walk into a building. We somehow just all of a sudden we act like we don't know how to communicate. And so much of what we're taught, especially like, when they teach marketing or whatever, the 20th century was full of, of us just doing better because we had mass communications. It was all one way, push out the content and, you know, a library of brochures uh, of, you know, and, and every product needed a brochure and it wasn't going to be changed for years. It was just going to be, you know, dumped on people and it had to be approved by legal. And we're kind of past that now where, where, you know, we still have problems with, with people worried about whether or not the words are going to be right in a tweet. Um, and whether or not we're going to put all the right disclosure in 140 characters. But, um, um, you know, really it's getting to where it's so easy to be real and not, what, what, not get caught. Um, (laughs) But so it it seems like a lot of, uh, you know, the name of the book, Stop Boring Me, a lot of the, a lot of what we're talking about here is just to stop, stop doing all the things that keep you from being yourself. When you let go and you're yourself and it's okay, that's, yeah. of course, easier said than, than done after all the – if you've yeah. had decades of training not to be that way. Um, it, is, it is about being yourself, but it's also about remembering your audience. What do they really want? So one of the things right. that is so gripping about improv is if you go and watch improv, it's it, – you know, nobody shows up and says in a scene, you know – hey, I'd like to buy a cupcake. And then the cupcake, you know, vendor goes, sure, here's five, you know, $5, please. And the person pay, pays the $5. That's a really crappy story. And yet that's how most business storytelling is. It's very transactional. Quite the opposite. Yeah. You can be yourself, but it's also one layer deeper, Warren. It says, look, what do people really want? And nobody gives a crap about your products and services. They don't give a crap about my products and services. The people who buy my stuff are like, I need better ideas, and I need to communicate in a way that my audience gets, and I am buying a better connection with my audience. I'm not writing a check for your marketing, Kathy. I don't care. I want the results. So if we can always remember what our audience wants most, you know, when they buy, go into a bank, it's not for your stupid checking account. They want maybe financial freedom. Maybe they want fa- financial advice. Maybe they want a place they feel comfortable and get treated like a human being at because um, there's too many banks where that doesn't happen. So when you come at it from the human lens, what on that hierarchy of needs? Because Abraham Maslow was very smart. What is it that people really want? And if I can tap into that and really understand it, then I can communicate always with the center of that humanity at everything that I do. And then we're not going to be wordsmithing our tweets for, to pass some legal filter. We're going to be getting to the heart of our message in the tweet. We're not going to be worrying about just stupid, you know, whether or not I use this, this jargon word or that jargon word. We're going to eradicate that. We're going to get to the heart of, like, this isn't about, you know, stupid banking accounts. This isn't about insurance. This is about maybe helping people achieve a a level of financial autonomy. This is about helping them be better people. This is about um, helping them have peace of mind for this. This is about giving them autonomy outside the office and they can access their data anywhere. It's freedom. Like what are the human needs driving all that? And that's really what this book is about. How do we cut through all that stuff? Because you're never going to see a scene in improv hey, here's $5, all right, here's your software, here's your whatever. That just would never happen because nobody would watch that crap. <laughs> it <laughs> well, just wouldn't there's a, happen. 
Yeah, I have a I have a friend that does a lot of improv, and and he, he said one thing to me that really stood out about long form was that that it that it was so important to support the other players and to make them look good and and do well. And so much of what we're taught in business is to try to you know get the competitor out of the way because you know you don't need to be the star of an improv play. The 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 troupe is the star. Um, you know, and of course the audience, because you've got to be performing for them because they'll keep coming back and see it. And everybody does better when we support each other. Um, yeah, (laughs) you lose all that competition. I don't have to have a marketing piece. That's just a little bit better than my coworker or competitor. I have to have a connection with a human being that is real. And then I'm going to take care of that person. I, 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 Totally. No, you nailed it. That's so well put because why would you even want to be in competition and, and worry about buzzwords just to be competitive? In fact, you're not going to be. You're going to be in the same yeah. also-ran, undifferentiated space as your competition. So let right. them have the jargon. They want to do the jargon thing? Great. Let them. And, Go. and we, know, we know how much this is needed by how often I see a, a, a chart showing what is the most popular of something or other, and it's all done by, you know, interviewing 40 CMOs. And, uh, you know, CMOs got usually pretty smart people. If they've risen to that level in the company and, you know, they're, you know, near the top and, and whatnot, uh, and, I, and I, when I'm, you meet them individually, they're great people. And then when you look at them as a group, these are people who have stopped spending most of their time connecting with the public and are spending most of their time in meetings. Because because of the job and the position, um, and you know, they, when I come up with them about something innovative, they say, uh, and I don't mean to say this is all CMOS or just CMOS, but uh, this type of type of person responds to me by saying, "Well, you know, we'd really like to do that, but," and right. they've got you know 14 re- reasons why it can't happen. Where whereas uh, in you know the improv way of doing it, well, well let's give this a try and see what happens. Um, <laughs> You know, you're, you're, you nailed it. But it also, too, reminds me that I think we've forgotten the basic rules sometimes. And, and it's something that, you know, you know, and we all sort of know it. When you're selling and, and trying to connect with audiences, any audience, that risk factor, that's a very human thing. And yet we dance around it. And I've never met an executive, a C-level executive ever, and you and I have dealt with many, that – didn't feel some level of risk. And so the human way that you have to come at it is, look, I recognize there's risk for you. So how do we mitigate that risk? Can we do a trial basis? And if you get results, we move to this this phase. Find a way to mitigate the human risk because that's the humanity. That's what they're yeah. really feeling. Don't tell yeah, me you... about all the bells and whistles because I don't care. Speak to the human fear, to the human need to look good to their company. And, you know, and, and when you do that, I think you separate yourself from the pack, and that's really what we're talking about here. Right. I, well, and that's what really that just nails exactly why I like the uh, um, the social media way of of doing business. Because you know, we start. We you know, my book was was called Twitter Revolution, but it could have been called you know Business Revolution because it's really that's what we're talking about. Is that in the future we can't rely on we make a decision at the home office and everybody's got to agree with it because real human beings are interacting with real, real human beings. I mean, we used to talk to people that were fighting having their, uh, their staff allowed to you to have a MySpace account uh, and then Facebook. And, you know, pretty much today it's just a given that that's going to happen. But 
what I would say is you're not going to keep your, especially your young workers, from having a social media contact. <laughs> They're either going to be taking pictures about and sharing how bad the, the job is or, you know, or snapping about how great the job is, and that's up to them. And you you, know, big, you're absolutely right. And you said something else I want to come back to because it was, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. It's like you said something about I think most of the way we approach these things is, you know, somebody's in a meeting. We haven't spoken to their real fear, and they're giving objections. And what we do is we yes, but. We go yes, but, yes, but. Mm-hmm. And if I tell you more about all how great it is, that somehow we're going to allay their human fear. And yes, but is what most humans do. And improv is fundamentally based on a yes and. I hear you. Yes, yes and. You That's, must I Yes. I forgot about learning that from improv. Yes, and. Oh, yeah. That's a fundamental rule because what it says is, yes, and I hear you. I hear that there's fear here because there's risk. So, yes, and let's figure out how to reduce that risk so that we can actually get to a phase where maybe we have a trial and we lower your risk. Would that work for you? Instead of yes, oh. budding and giving all the reasons why they should buy, that person gets the message that they're not being heard. And when we go to an improv-based yes and, it is such a powerful way to build agreement and yeah. move forward. Build, and that's a really, build on that, that's what the other person has to say. And, um, I, you know, when I learned the, that the words said after the word but are the real message, um, yeah. and, in, you know, as a copywriter, we, uh, you know, we know that you can put just about anything in the word but and then say what, say what you really mean and it's just kind of like warming them up for the real message um and now i can see it in a tweet i'll post something and somebody will come back and say that's true but and i'll know right away they didn't believe me no Um, no no and that's exactly what it is we yes but all the time and we don't even realize we're doing that but when we yes but we've we're saying to the person you, you you know this everybody knows this it's like Everything after but, I tune out because they're going to find an excuse to reject it. Basically, what they're saying is your idea stinks. Right. But when you yes and somebody, it doesn't mean you have to, you know, go out and build it. It just, it just means, look, I acknowledge your point, and I hear it, right. and let's figure out a way to move forward. And I think that's such a more positive way. And that's where I think thinking like an improviser, um, not just being more human, but fundamentally understanding the concept of yes and can be such a big game changer for marketing teams. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, I started, I started years ago saying uh, all we needed to do was listen and love. And, uh, you know, I was really a, I, I was fearful of saying that because, um, you know, when I say love, oh, no, what's he, you know, what this guy's gone crazy and woo-woo. He's talking about love. Uh, well, of course, it's not romance. But I define that as treating somebody as if you love them, you want what's best for them. My kid comes to me and yammers something. I'm going to do my best for what that kid is. I'm going to listen because I really care about them. And then once I think that I've got, you know, what they need, it's not going to be, well, here's, you know, here's the product number 14 and buy that. It doesn't quite fit what you need, but, you know, change your wants to want my product. No, I'm going to look at, what does what does my child want? Wants to go to college. Wants to you know wants to be a dog catcher as a career. Uh oh, <laughs> you know, do I really want a kid that's a dog catcher? Well, it doesn't matter. You want them to be happy. That's what's important. And you start listening to what they want, and you find out that they really like working with animals, and they're good in school, and really they'd like to be a veterinarian, but they're a little bit afraid of that. And all that comes out as you listen and and respond with love. 
Um, and you can do that to any customer, to any person that you meet. And like, how can I, it's, I tell you, it's on my mind constantly. I'm interviewing you and I'm thinking, how can I make your book look good? Which actually, to tell you the truth, it doesn't look like it's much work on this one. But, <laughs> but I'm, I constantly think, how could I make this? And my listeners are listening to the interview. And what I want to do is help them have a transformation of get, some little spark that changes things. And, you know, the older I get and a bit of maturity is seeping in, you know, I'm, and I'm not quite grown up yet, but I refuse to do that. But good, good. I keep thinking, like, if I could just, if I could just give them some kind of a spark, I don't really even care if I get credit anymore. I, I just know the world's a better place because they got a good idea from something that I, I said or from me listening to them and then be able to express and think out whatever they're doing. Great. I've done the world a service. Um, and I feel better myself. I don't need any any kind of rationalization or validation to that. And when I I found out when I started doing that, I, a lot less time explaining what my product was and and why you should buy it. <laughs> Those transactions that you talk about, boy, um, I'm inspired today listening to you. Well, I hope so. I really, you know, what I want most for this book is I really wanted people to just be reminded that, look, we're all creative, and they're all naturally brilliant storytellers. I think every human being is. We just somehow forget it. We forget it when we, you know, put on our marketing hat. And I really wanted people to just be reminded in a way that was fun, that was, I think, easy for people to, to do, and that had examples. There's just a lot of examples of how you can take techniques from improvisation and make better stories. The second half of the book, Warren, is all about what I call content marketing idea orgasms, how to, how to think differently about coming up with new content ideas, mm-hmm. just simply by having fun and being more playful. So I, I'm hoping that this, this is sort of a, um, I, I hope it's creativity, marketing creativity in a box, but in a book. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, and and it's unleashing the creativity we know is already there because people oh, yeah. are people are bright. They have unique things to tell. And um, sheesh, we used, we used to talk about this uh, a, a bit from time to time. What happened to you on nine eleven? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I could ask people, and everybody's got a little bit different story. Uh, occasionally, you get somebody like, eh, nothing big. I saw it on the news. I went on about my business. But almost everybody has. Well, this is what happened to me that day. And frankly, a lot of them, my story, you know, I was in California that day hurrying to do something completely different um, and, you know, trying to ignore that it was going on. And that led to this and that and the whole story. And, I, you know, when I started thinking, doesn't everybody have a story like that? I realized that mine's not so special. What's special is that when I'm telling the story and we're connecting and we're sharing that, it's us. And that's actually what happened to me at uh, during that week was I wound up uh, with a lot of people stranded in Las Vegas. I didn't live here at the time. And the people were, we were sharing their own story, their own, their own flight plans, their own, what they tried to do to get a hotel room when the, when suddenly they found they couldn't get on a plane. And it was a different kind of a, a different kind of an impact on their life. And over long term, we all have that same kind of impact. And the, we also know from brain science, we're constantly rewriting those memories. So if you want to be persuasive, you might as well go ahead and tell people your side of it and engage them. Once engaged, they're going to see the world more like you, which is what we want. I want to see the world more like you do. I want to understand 
And when we understand people, they they connect. You connect and you share more stories, and that's it. That's my two words now, though. I've I've moved from uh, listen and love to everybody wants connection and sharing stories, which is still about the same thing. And boy, you've demonstrated that to us today. It's, you, you nailed it, and it's really everybody has that ability. It's already inside of us. It's just I just want people to reconnect with that. So let me let me ask the one more tough question. What about when what you really need to do is keep your job, and your boss says it has to be done in the old way? Uh, how do you apply improv and you know to that? Are you stuck? Do you have to do boring? I don't think you have to do boring. So I'm always going to say that you yes and. So I understand that a lot of times that's fear talking. That's fear talking. I get it. And you know that because if you've been around long enough, you, you start to recognize the signs. So I would just say yes and that. And part of yes anding is yes and I would like to try a few experiments. And see if you can get agreement by yes anding um, low-risk experiments where maybe you try something a little different and you run it by a sample of your best customers. And what I've always discovered in working with clients and getting over fear is if you can get a sample of your best customers uh, to be part of like a beta test and they like it, well, uh, even when a, when a boss won't listen to you, and they should listen to their teams, they'll listen to their best customers. Mm-hmm. And when best customers are saying, you know, I really like that, that's different, that's fresh, that's, you know, getting sometimes getting that proof point, that social proof, can be the thing that will convince. So mm-hmm. never yes, but. I'm going to, I think that that's, that's, that's not good, that's not a good career move. But yes, and, and understand that there's fear operating there, at the human level there, and then see if you can get agreement to try some low risk, very low-risk experiments, and that's what mm. I would do, and see what performs better. I did the fur company recently, and we actually did a split test of a story of two different stories, and the one that was deeper and had more human connection and just got the jargon out did better when it came to downloads. It, it was not rocket science. I already knew that that's what was going to happen, but they needed the proof, not me. So once the team had the proof and they went, oh, yeah, okay, let's run with it. Sometimes just a small split test can be enough of what you need to, to get that, to marshal the social proof you need. Wow. I, I love what you said about not, not using yes, but even when, you know, it's in, internal and you're talking to the boss. But if the bo- I, I think of the boss as being a customer, and my yes and would be, well, yes, you, you know, your boss is set in his ways and wants things a certain way. And they have problems of their own that they're trying to conquer. If I find out that what my boss really wants is, you know, to know that everybody shows up on time for the meeting, well, then I show up time for the meeting. I know that he's not going to be innovative and get anywhere. So I'm looking for something more than that. I just use that as an example. I'm looking for What's keeping him up at night? Yes. Is he worried if he allows you to do something, he's going to lose his job? Well, then he's got his own internal struggle going on. And as uh, you know, my my favorite uh, my favorite quote, uh, I believe it started with Aristotle, and I'm paraphrasing, so we're, we're <laughs> quoting me now. Everybody has a battle going on that you know nothing about. Right. So the answer is to treat people with kindness. So if if I'm open to that and I'm listening to my boss who says this is the wrong way to do it or the board or whoever it is that's putting, you know, putting the stops on this, what is it that you really want? And I've gotten to the point when somebody, 
Somebody recently told me they wanted to run a social media campaign, and all that mattered was ticket sales to an event. Well, first of all, that's, you know, that's not a social media outcome you're going to get in three weeks uh, with the budget you have. It was a very low right. budget. And, but, you know, I started looking at it, and I just used but. Oh, no. I'll be kicking myself all day for using the word but. Um, now I'm going to go back and review the transcript and say, oh, gosh, Warren used but 17 times in this conversation. Uh, I'm overthinking my improv now. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And I look at it and say, gosh, there's got to be something else this person wants. And for me, that usually becomes I'm hearing about it through a third party who didn't go ahead and find out what their boss or client or somebody wanted and comes to me and we're stuck doing that. You know, somebody would say, hey, we'll pay you to tweet about this. I'm going, this is exciting. I I recently did this with a a very large, uh, you know, household name. Uh, that came to me, and it was just a few bucks. But I liked what they were doing. I wanted to talk about them. I'm going like, well, great, I'll sign up and take, you know, take your, your small check. Uh, you know, yeah. Why not? I'll give this a try. And so I got to talk to the person from the agency that was handling the account, uh, find out what their frustrations were, their frustration with the software they were using. I got to learn about the software. I looked at it. Nothing but a positive opportunity. And in the end, I said, you know, there's some things you could be doing a little bit different or in addition to this have you considered that and I and it was very clear that what they were trying to consider was they were told to go and do this and they were fairly low on the totem pole and I wasn't getting anywhere and I said okay I'm done here I still went ahead and had fun with it I wrote a you know a blog post about my personal experience with the company how much I liked them fully disclosing that I was getting paid to endorse this or that event but but being able to tailor that to something that was fun and exciting for my readers was more fun for me. Yeah. If somebody says, I just want this ad run on your blog post, uh, I'd probably turn them down. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, that your story is a really powerful one because I think it's really important to remind, and this is why I love Yes And, and, and improv for me is not just, I've been doing improv and comedy for 20 years, and what people who know me will say is that Yes And is a mindset. It's not it's not about improv. What it's done is it's changed the way I look at things because your, your example is such a good one. When you understand that when people, um, when the boss says no or, or you yes but, there's a fear operating there. And so when you yes but, you're really saying, I don't care. And what you really mean to do is to say, no, I acknowledge that there's fear and you have your own worries, your own headaches, and is there a way that we can honor what you need and also Try a little experiment that reduces some risk here. Is this okay? Can we, can we yes and here? And if you're willing to take that approach, I think you overcome a lot of resistance. You really do. But nothing's wow. going to raise the ire more of your boss than yes but, because it basically says, I don't care what you need. And yes and comes from a place of, all right, how do we make it work for both of us? How do we make it work for you too? And that's, that's more of that in anything I think is a good thing. I'm thinking of, gosh, we could go on all day. I'm thinking about examples of other things I've learned about how to structure that sort of thing, both from copywriting, sales training, and and just yeah. experience using this stuff. Because when I changed and stopped trying to present my product as the reason to go to see a client, I personally, as a salesman, my sales tripled in a month. Yeah. And I ended up teaching another 20 people while I was on that job at sales manager. And, and every time when he showed them this way to do it, breakthroughs like 
people want to connect. You go in as a salesman and say, I've got this presentation, and their eyes glaze over, and they, they know they need to buy something in this, in this area, and if you do a better job than the other one, yeah, mine as well. But when you connect with that person about and what and what their goals are in, in business to business is fairly simple. They want more, you know, foot traffic in the store or get a message out or whatever. Um, and then, of course, then the advance that I've learned since then is that I can actually do that in their messaging. But uh, just when I was trying to sell, you know, spots on the on a radio station, I learned that what my price was for spots was a very little import. Uh, they needed to know that the budget was something they wanted, and the big thing we learned was to ask them how much they thought it was worth and get a range and then come back somewhere in the range, and nobody ever questioned whether or not they were spending the money. I was still looking at it as a young person, feeling like, how could somebody spend $1,000 a week on this? I, Boy, that's a lot of money. That's more than I make. And when I, I could let go of that because we were talking about the ideas, and of course I knew why, because I'd gotten to know their business. just changed everything. Um, Absolutely. That's just one of 14 things that came up, and it wasn't what I started to say when I opened my mouth. No, but that's so great. (laughs) This is improvisational. This is the beauty of what we're doing is we're just having a human conversation, and it's real. And and we're yes-handing each other in this conversation. And how how powerful to model that. I mean, this is just but a sample of what, you know, what you could do if you yes-handed, you know, things in, in your life. And I think that's the most beautiful way to have a human conversation. Right. Oh, we've got to find a way to talk about this more sometime. But uh, for today, we're, uh, we've used up our time. And uh, remember, it's Stop Boring Me, How to Create Kick-Ass Marketing Content, Produce mm-hmm. New Ideas Through the Power of Improv. Uh, this is Kathy Klotz guest. And where do we find out about you if the book isn't going to be enough and we just have to contact you and, and oh, learn wow. more of what you write and what you do and, and how to engage you? Sure. You can visit keepingithuman.com. That's my business. Okay. And you can find me on Twitter at Kathy Clotes Guest, no hyphen. And uh, I'm out there, and uh, I'd love it if people would uh, follow up and connect. Right. And, and if I call you Clotes, is that an insult? You're close. It is not, but it is close. But I will yes and you. I will yes and. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet, I bet I'm not the first person to, to oh, use no. your name. No, no, not okay. at all. Okay. Well, not one more all. time for the record. We've been speaking with Kathy Clote's guest, and <laughs> the book is Stop Boring Me. And, and if you've not been bored by listening to us and you're still on the on the uh, show, then right now go and find her book on Amazon. Stop boring me and uh, and be more interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks a lot for joining us, Kathy. Oh, Warren, thank you so much. <laughs>